Do you want to learn effective ways to build relationships, generate sales, and grow your business from successful entrepreneurs, startups, and CEOs without listening to a long, long, long interview? If so, you've come to the right place. Gresham Harkness values your time and is ready to share with you precisely the information you're in search of. This is the I Am CEO Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is Gresh from the I Am CEO Podcast, and I have a very special guest on the show today. I have Mike Thacker of The Work Lodge. Mike, it's awesome to have you on the show. Well, hey, I appreciate the opportunity and I'm looking forward to it. Me too, me too. I'm looking forward to hearing more about you. So first, I wanted to introduce Mike so you can learn a little bit more about him and all the awesome things that he's doing. So Mike is originally from the UK, and we're not sure if it was Brisket or J.R. Ewing that brought him here, but he got to Texas just as fast as he could. Retail, B2B, nonprofit, and hostage negotiation. That's Mike's background. It isn't quite varied as the hairstyles he wears. He's bald. And sure, he's a little workaholic, probably eats a little too much curry and mixes beer with Sprite. It's called a shandy. But he eats, sleeps, and dreams about how he can change lives for the members of the Work Lodge and their businesses as well, as well as the less fortunate in society. Mike, are you ready to speak to the IMCEO community? I'm ready. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, I wanted to expound a little bit more on, upon your CEO story and hear what led you to start your business. So as you can tell from my background, I've done a few different things in life. And, and most recently before this, I was the chief operating officer for a security company. We were based here in Houston. Most of our clients were not in Houston. So I used to travel quite a lot. And when I was home, and we didn't have a centralized office. We were, we were famous for kidnap, for ransom and extortion. So a lot of what we did was pretty sensitive. And so I worked from home for about four or five years, and it slowly just got worse and worse. And so one day I thought, you know, I'm going to go get somewhere to work from. And I, I can't go sit in Starbucks or, or do something like that because of the kind of conversations we have. And so I, I wound up in a what is now, you know, I would call a traditional executive suite type space. I didn't, I didn't know executive suites existed. I didn't know anything about commercial real estate. And so I'm standing in this office and the lady's looking at me, telling me it's 800 bucks a month and all the walls are drywall, the door's solid wood. And I'm, I'm standing there thinking, this is what solitary confinement must feel like. All right. Why would I pay 800 bucks a month to do this? All right. I went home and I said, honey, I don't know a whole lot about real estate, but I, I got to believe I couldn't do a worse job than that. So I'm thinking I should go build something. And so we started to think about it. And uh, it was about six months or so before one day I, I stumbled across a co-working space. I was out in uh, Seattle doing a case out there. And, and, I, and I see this co-working space and I walk in, I'm standing there thinking, oh my word, these guys have built exactly what I was talking about. You know, there's, there's people in there. And so I called my wife and I said, listen, I think it really was a good idea. Like I've just seen one and, and somebody's paying to use it. So, you know, we were worried about could we get customers or not, but evidently there's a few other folks like me out there that think it's a good idea. So then I start looking around and I find another one in um, Portland and I was going there next. So I went to check that place out and it was completely different, more of a glorified coffee shop, but, but there was people in there. And that was the biggest worry for me was, you know, I knew what I wanted to build. I knew I wanted to create something that was just inspiring, but I just wasn't sure would folks really spend money to be there or not, or whether it was just, you know, a good idea, but but not good enough. So after seeing a couple of guys, you know, figure it out and make it work, I came up and said, you know, I think we should do this. So we went out, looked for some space and uh, the rest is history. 
Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, this idea is like you not sure if your idea actually has customers or people that are actually going to pay for it, but you being able to see those co-working spaces, you saw that, hey, these are people that are actually interested in that. So I think it's awesome to kind of hear your story and how you evolved into actually building your company. So I wanted to drill down a little bit deeper and hear a little bit more about what you guys are doing to help support the members and the people that are coming to the Work Lodge. Yeah, so um, obviously co-working is kind of a fashionable thing right now. I don't know that I'd describe us as a true co-working space, we're kind of a hybrid and we think of ourselves as being a, a workspace provider. And so that entails some co-working, it entails some private suites, it entails some team size suites, you know, the meeting and conference rooms. So we've got a wide range of services there. And then we're in the process of layering onto that a whole suite of professional services so that we can remove as much friction as possible and let them just focus on business. As long as they're doing what they should be doing, you know, we take care of the rest. And I always tell people, even if we only save you an hour a week, we just gave you back more than a working week over the course of a year. If you're good at what you do, that can translate hopefully into a whole lot more money than you know the investment you're making in, in the office space that you take from us or the co-working membership or whatever you want to call it. So you know we do a little bit of stuff with socials and fun and that kind of thing, but we don't go crazy with it. And we want to be respectful of, of the fact that they're working on their business and we don't want to be just running a frat house, you know, like some places have kind of turned up. So we're, we're a little bit we're a little bit classier than that. That's probably a good way to put it, and um, and it seems to be working. I mean, people resonate. They like what we do, and they like the very organic, you know, subtle nudging that that our staff are, are trained in um, in helping make those connections and helping them figure out who the other guy is down the hallway that's dealing with the same thing they are, or who just who just did deal with it, and now they can give them some wisdom and some some guidance, and and just seeing those connections get made, you know, especially between people from completely different industries. That would never happen if they weren't in a space like this. Yeah. And then a lot of what you're saying, it kind of sounds like you, you created an environment where, you know, people have an opportunity to get that quote unquote, maybe unofficial mentorship, but still has the, have the opportunity to be able to learn from other people that might have been going through things, but also get a really cool environment by which they can work and, and do all the things to be successful and not have to worry about all these additional things that can suck up time, but worry about building your business and working on your business. So I love kind of like that motto. And you might have already touched on it a little bit, but I usually ask for what I call a secret sauce or kind of like what makes your organization unique. And I know you kind of touched on that. Is there anything else you can kind of point to that says this is what makes uh, you guys unique? Yeah, I think honestly, what makes us unique is the heart of the business and the DNA behind it. So I'm not a real estate guy. You know, if anything, you know, I'm a ministry guy. I spent years in nonprofits, um, used, used to be a preacher. And so I think we approach people and serving and helping people from that perspective, rather than just from a Hey, here's a here's a target on your back with a dollar sign. Let me let me extract a few more bucks out of you. We just don't play that nickel and dime game at all. And, and I think that translates through, you know, we're built on core values. We talk constantly with the staff about being authentic, being passionate, you know, being generous with our time and our knowledge, being humble and being a little bonkers, having a little personality. I think it translates really clearly in the way that we interact with our members, in the way that we look after them. And so is it tangible? Is it something that's easy replicable? Probably not. You know, it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort, but does it make us a little different? Yeah, I think I think fundamentally our approach to people and what we're doing with the business is completely different. I mean, at the end of the day, we're not really a for-profit business. We we created the business and the nonprofit at the same time. And so the work large for-profit funds the Gabriel Foundation nonprofit. And we're very we're very open about that. You know, when you walk in, I'm looking at a 10 foot by 15 foot mural on my wall with pictures of smiling kids from the first orphanage we built in India last year. 
you can't walk past it without missing it. It's it's right in front of you. And I think that's very different than a company that's just sat there to make a buck. If I wanted to make a buck, there's easier ways to do it than this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I feel like that's when things go to an entirely different level is when you have, you know, you have the dollars and cents and that's important when you're building a business or even running a nonprofit. But when you're able to have that kind of heart centered pool that you talked about, where you have a reason or a very strong purpose for the foundation that you guys have, that's when things to me go to another level. You get probably that awesome environment that you guys have, have in place. Right. Well, what I wanted to do was switch gears a little bit and ask you for what I call a CEO hack. A CEO hack could be an app or a book, but the idea is it's something that makes you more effective and efficient as a business owner. Yeah, you know, I saw the question when when I got the little cheat sheet, um, you know, when we first talked and I've been kind of backwards and forwards on what would be this awesome nugget that would just make everybody's world rock. And, you know, I don't know that I really have anything super special here, but I use I use my Google stuff real heavy. Um Gmail, the calendar, you know, the notes, that's my go-to. And uh, it's simple. It keeps me organized. I know it's not sexy and everybody probably uses it too, but um, I stick with it. It tells me where I'm supposed to be. It tells me what I'm supposed to be doing. It helps me get my thoughts in there and it's always at my fingertips. And that's, that's about as good as I've got on that one. Hey, that's a good app. I swear by my Google calendar and everything else as well. So sometimes it's the simple things that help you keep the peace of mind, like you talked about with your staff and everybody there, where you don't have to worry about all those additional things, whether you lost something or whether that email went through because everything's kind of taken up care of from a Google standpoint. So I think that's a phenomenal CEO hack and it may not be sexy, but I use it just as strongly. So I love that CEO hack. So now I wanted to ask you for what I call a CEO nugget. And this might be more of a word of wisdom or a piece of advice that you might have for a CEO entrepreneur or business owner. So when we talk to our staff and try and help them understand what does success look like, and you probably saw it in my, in my email signature, you know, I, I tag everything with be amazing. And, and for us, if we get all of our core values right, all of the DNA of who we are, it's going to deliver this, whatever amazing this is. And so I think... When I'm thinking about, you know, a a golden nugget or or, or some advice to other business owners or entrepreneurs, you know, chase greatness. Don't don't chase average. Don't chase mediocrity. Don't don't do a crappy job. Don't just taste the dollars. If you decide to make a buck, just go work for someone else. I mean, can you do it? Yes. Is it the right thing to do? And I think that's the key. No, it's not. So do the right thing. Be great. Just be amazing. That would be my best advice. I love that. And that definitely hits home. Uh, You know, don't be average, just go on and and, and do and be the best that you can be and kind of blaze trails and and make, make an impact upon the world. So I think that's awesome. And now my, my absolute favorite question, which I, which I call kind of like the definition of being a CEO. So I want to ask you specifically, what does being a CEO mean to you? So I think for me, there's, there's, there's two sides to this coin for my staff and my team. It means leading well. And, um, you know, I want to make sure that that I invest in them in every way that I can. If I can coach them better, if I can encourage them more, if I can spur them on to just be better versions of themselves, that's my job as their leader is to just bring out the best in them. And I think second, you know, from that, and it kind of rolls on a little bit, is also for our members and the folks we serve and help. You know, inevitably, they, they see me in action. They see me interacting with other people. And so how can I inspire them? Obviously, it's not my job to you know, to coach every single member we've got. I'm not saying that, but just by our example, by what we do and how we do it, can I inspire them to just to just shoot a little higher, to think a little different, to, to go beyond themselves or out of their comfort zone? Um, I'm very conscious that, you know, anybody in, in, a, in a leadership role, and especially as a CEO of a company where you interface with people on a regular basis, 
people are going to watch. So pay attention to what they're watching. I love it. I love it. And, and by you creating that environment and that culture, I think that definitely kind of spills down whether or not, you know, you're doing direct mentorship or direct advice or if somebody is just, you know, at your your space as well, because that definitely helps out as that. So, Mike, I, I truly appreciate you for taking some time out of your schedule. What I wanted to do was pass you the mic, so to speak, to see if there's anything additional you want to let our readers and our listeners know and how best people can kind of get a hold of you and hear more about the Work Lodge. Well, I think if you want to know more about the Work Lodge, you can go check out the website. It's just theworklodge.com. We've got Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram and all that kind of fun stuff. So if you do social, you can find us on there too. Um, I think anything additional kind of as a lasting thought, you know, entrepreneurship's amazing. And, and I think business can change the world if it's done the right way and if we set the right kind of goals. And so I think my best advice to a, a, a younger entrepreneur or, you know, someone thinking about starting something up is don't underestimate what impact you can have and what difference you can make even if, even if we only change, you know, one of our taglines is, is workspace changing lives. And sometimes, you know, I wonder if it's a little corny, but, but we actually really do. You know, we change the lives of our members when we help them be more successful and, you know, encourage them when they're down and connect with other people that can help them. We change the lives of the folks we help through the, the nonprofit. Do I change millions of lives? No. But does it really matter? If I change one this year or two, it's one or two more than last year. And, and it made a whole lot of difference to them. So even as you may be starting out, thinking about doing something, think bigger, think beyond yourself, think about what impact can this business have? How can I change something in my community? What can I do to make a difference? You know, we don't all have to be world changers, but just touching one or two lives, changing one or two people's mindsets, spurring them onto something that could become a world changing event or business or whatever. It's an incredibly humbling kind of perspective when you think in those terms rather than how to make an extra thousand bucks this month. You know, the money will come if everything else is is where it should be. So we just don't worry about that a whole lot. Makes perfect sense. And I, I think it's awesome what, you, what you're what you doing and what you all are doing. And sometimes when you create that ripple effect, even if it's just one or two people, those one or two people can turn into three people, turn into 10 people. Next thing you know, you know, you have made an impact and made a ding in the world. So I, I appreciate you for all you're doing, Mike. And, and I appreciate the time, obviously, you took today. And I hope you have a phenomenal rest of the day. Awesome. Thanks, Rush. Thank you for listening to the I Am CEO podcast powered by Blue 16 Media. Tune in next time and visit us at imceo.co. I Am CEO is not just a phrase, it's a community. Be sure to follow us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. Grab CEO Gear at www.ceogear.co. This has been the I Am CEO Podcast with Gresham Harkless. Thank you for listening.